either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Feels a little bit like the calm before the holiday storm because we've got some heavy hitters coming in the next couple of weeks. But definitely good stuff to talk about this week uh, in the movie theaters and for home streaming. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. Let's start with a radio journalist embarking on a cross-country trip with his young nephew. This is Come On, Come On. Over the years, you will try to make sense of that happy, sad, full, always shifting life you're in. And when the time comes to return to your star, it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. Damn this book. You're crying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're definitely crying. See, you're crying. <laughs> well, you might wonder how Come On, Come On comes to be the title of a movie, and as I did, but like most things in this film, it's revealed in a very sweet way because this is such a sweet, well-acted, well-constructed movie that's just, uh, I guess I'd call it a a small movie compared to the big blockbusters that are coming the next couple of weeks. So full of life-affirming humor and and tenderness and a little bit of heartbreak as well. It's just lovely. It is. So it's Mike Mills who did 21st Century Women a couple of years ago. He did Beginners before that. And he just has a real knack for very sincere, awkward human drama. And that, boy, that's what he has here. But he's aided in this one. Now, I'm not saying the other two didn't look good, but this movie looks stunning. Yeah. So it's in black and white, which is very big this year. But it's not just that. I mean, it is really the framing. He captures intimacy. And then there are these outdoor scenes with a parade and with a a tree that are just breathtaking. I mean, it is a gorgeous film. Yeah, and it seems to have a very... It's not slow, but it's got a, a very measured pace, mm-hmm. um, and it's so observational mm-hmm. in in what it does. And it all is based around this radio journalist played by Joaquin Phoenix and his young nephew played by this new kid. We'll say it again. Where do they find these kids? I know, man. Uh, Woody Norman He's is his great. name. And the, the rapport they have between the two of them is just fantastic, and it's so natural. And it starts because he sort of has to take care of his nephew when uh, his uh, the young boy's mother, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's sister, Gabby Hoffman, is, is played by Gabby Hoffman. Who's, who's great too? Yeah, it's so nice to see her have a real a bigger meaty part like this, where she has to attend to her husband, played by Scoot McNary, the boy's father, who is having some emotional problems. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. And she's called away and called away, and eventually Johnny, played by Joaquin Phoenix has to go back to work, and he has to go back to New York, and he takes Jesse, the young boy, with him. So it becomes sort of a road trip, but really more they do wind up back in New York and sort of settle into this life together as Johnny, as part of his job, is interviewing mainly little kids mm-hmm. about their lives. And one of the great things about it is these kids that he interviews, they're not act they're real kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so what they say is not scripted. Right. And 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 it it really blends fairly seamlessly with the actual fictional characters in a way that makes the whole film seem that much more authentic. Mm-hmm. And the the main thing what the the film is looking at is the relationship between the uncle and the nephew and and sort of a byproduct of that is the relationship between 
Johnny and his sister, right? But the other thing it, it does- Viv. Viv. What it does repeatedly is asks you to see the world through a child's eyes. And it does it in the least sort of saccharine, precocious, false way right. to just realize the world is scary, man. Yeah. And it's not the same scary that it was a generation exactly. ago. It's different scary. Exactly. And at the same time, it's a very hopeful, I think, film. The other thing it does really well, I think, it, so Joaquin Phoenix doesn't have any, his character, Johnny, doesn't have any kids. And so in conversations between him and his sister, he, Johnny, is just admitting, I love this kid more than anything. This He's the greatest, smartest, funniest, most amazing. I want to strangle him five times a day. <laughs> and she, his sister, was like, yeah, that's just parenthood, dude. Mm-hmm. That's just what this is like. And it was, it's, it felt very realistic. It really did. And as you get and these— forgiving. Yeah, and as you get these interviews with these non-actors, these kids, you, you hear— their fears mm-hmm. and their anxieties as as just little kids still. Yeah. And it is heartbreaking in some way. It's also very smart. They're so perceptive they are. about the world around them. In case, you know, our son is grown now, but in case you have don't have kids or, or grown kids, you forget how much kids pick up. Yep. And they may not be commenting on it, but they're watching. Yeah. And the things, I mean, just look at the world today. Look at what we're living through. And can you imagine seeing it through the eyes of a child? Yeah. And and that's one of the many ways that this that this film scores. And it's but it's just so tender and natural. The the relationship between the young actor Woody Norman and Joaquin Phoenix is I, I have to I have to imagine they just hung out a lot because they seem so natural they with really, each other. Yeah. They really. They, they seem like family. They do. They really do seem like family. And I think that that Joaquin Phoenix is a shoe in for an Oscar nomination. Yeah, but yes. I'll be honest with you, depending on how things shake out for the as the year goes along, it wouldn't kill, it wouldn't shock me to see Woody Norman get an Oscar nomination in supporting uh, actor role. He's wonderful. It's another uh, addition to this stable of really young actors. Because we were just talking about that with another g- gorgeous black and white film, Belfast. Yeah, the kid there. The, he's great. Oh, they're they're fantastic. And a few years ago, the kid from Jojo Rabbit. Oh, out of nowhere, man. I mean, these kids are great. And here's another one right here. But, yeah, I agree with you. Joaquin Phoenix, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get a well-deserved nomination. That is in theaters now, just lovely and gorgeous, uh, called Come On, Come On. Staying in the theaters next for a high-concept art house drama about a boy who believes he is a wolf. This is Wolf. Once upon a time, there was a wolf and a wild cat. I wanted to live happily ever after. It's not just about surviving, but surviving is me. Do you really think you can have a life with that boy? But life is no fairy tale. Is it? Do you want things to get worse for you? I have no human form. I have no human form. Jacob, what have they done to you? Love that description. High concept and art house. That unfortunately, will turn some people away A lot of people, I would think. But it shouldn't. This is really well done and interesting. And uh, George Mackay is the lead here. And if you don't know him, he's wonderful. He is. Uh, In everything. Also a a little-known movie, one of my favorites from a couple of years ago, The True History of the Kelly Gang. Just great. And he's so good in this as well. And really the entire ensemble is. And uh, as the synopsis says, this, this young man, young adult Jacob... He believes he is a wolf trapped in a human body, and we meet him just as his parents, his distraught parents, are dropping him off at this treatment center that promises a cure, and that's where he meets many other young adults 
in similar circumstances. You've got a parrot and a lion and a horse and a German shepherd all under the thumb, the domineering thumb of uh, Patty Considine. Who they, I always love. Yes, they call him the zookeeper. He is in charge of this treatment center. And he also meets Wildcat, played by Lily Rose Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp's uh, daughter. And they are drawn to each other, even though, as they point out, in the wild, those two animals would be enemies. Here they have a, a strange fascination, and they get closer together, especially because Wildcat has some privileges at the center that not all the other patients do, and that comes in handy when Wolf starts bucking the system a little bit uh, and especially uh, draws the ire of the zookeeper. So, as you can imagine, this is very metaphorical. It's going to remind you of several movies. Uh, Cuckoo's Nest The lob- reminded me a lot of The Lobster, sure. but it's not nearly as satirical. It doesn't have the bite uh, as that, and it's a little more elusive than, say, Girl Interrupted, but deals with uh, similar themes. But it's very metaphorical. You can guess right away that they're talking about conversion therapy here, mm-hmm. forcing these these young adults try to drive out what they don't want and force them to be more accepted in a society. But I think it also cuts across areas of the entire LBGTQ plus community and also just society in general of conformity. Sure. Because they keep preaching that to have a successful life, you know, you have to find your true self and be accept the role that you're expected to right, fill. Right. And they are fighting against that. So there's a lot of metaphorical themes that you could uh, plug this into. But the first one, the most the most uh, urgent one, I think, is for conversion therapy. But it's really well put together. It's directed, it's written and directed by Natalie Biancheri, who did a, I think her only feature before this was a couple of years ago called Nocturnal. It's very ambitious and very well put together. The the uh, direction, the this production design, very clinical inside this uh, treatment center. But yet on the outskirts, you get the feeling of outdoors as these animals, so to speak, uh, want to go and be free. And um, one of the amazing things about the performances, George Mackay especially, is you expect someone as talented as he is, you get the inner conflict. But mm-hmm. it's the way he captures the animal physicality, especially when he has his shoes and his shirt off and you see the muscles flare like, like an animal would. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. a wolf is moving around. Just really exceptional. And Lily Rose Depp, the role is somewhat underwritten compared to his, but still... Very much so in, in that same uh, physicality because early on when they're feeling each other out and they, they sniff around on all fours like animals do, and it, that sounds silly, but it's not. It's never played for silliness, and, and they do a really good job um, conveying the physicality of it. I thought that was very impressive. The only time I think it stumbles, it, it has a little pro- – it's so ambitious and, and, and bold, uh, which I really liked, but towing that line between, between the, the tones – do they, does it want to get satirical here or not? And it's so metaphorical, but then does it want to abandon that and be a straight drama? Other than that, I thought it was really, really well done and, and so well acted as well. And another great ensemble. We were talking at lunch just yeah. now. So many great ensembles this year. Yes. Just over and over. And this is another one very well worth seeing. It's in theaters, in theaters only right now. Uh, it's called Wolf. Well, here's one. As soon as this got on our radar, I couldn't wait to hear what you thought about this. A 17th century nun in Italy suffers from disturbing religious and erotic vision. She is assisted by a companion, and the relationship between the two women develops into a romantic love affair. This is the latest from Paul Verhoeven. It's called Benedetta. (laughs) 
I think first it's interesting to note that this was a real human being, Benedetta. Yeah, she, it's based uh, on a book, right? Um, yeah. yeah. In the early church, she bucked the system. She, you know, uh, was she a charlatan making up these these visions that she had so that she could gain power or was she really mystical? And either way, she certainly stood out and she eventually some amazing things where, where the church the church turned against her, and she rallied the town behind her. Oh, fascinating. That's amazing right there. That's a movie. That's a movie. Unfortunately, her story is being told as softcore porn because <laughs> she also had a sexual relationship with another nun. Now, I don't know. I should probably not admit this out loud. I'm fairly familiar with a subgenre of <laughs> sexy lesbian nun movies because right. it's, it's, a, it's a pretty popular topic in horror films. And as you know, we, we, we watch a lot of horror films. Mm-hmm. And this is, that's all this is. And it's so frustrating to me that that is what this turned into. You know, um, there are some flashes in this movie that I really appreciate. Charlotte Rampling plays the abbess, the mother superior. She's magnificent. Of course she is. But one of the things I got to give Verhoeven credit, he doesn't create in her character this one dimensional evil, right? She's not. Because the women at that time period, a lot of them, you know, they were they were very savvy business people. And they had nowhere to be that, and they went. They turned to the convent, and so she she is. She's running the convent. She's running this business. She's taking care of business. She may not even have faith. It doesn't really matter. Right. She's doing a very good job. And what she sees in this woman is, well, maybe she's making this up. Maybe she's not. But the point is, it's really drawing a lot of of faithful gatherers to. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. she she pragmatically looking she's, at it. Right, pragmatic. She's fascinating. And then there are a handful of scenes where she and the leader, the male, of course, leader of the regional church, who's completely corrupt, they have some some face-offs. They have some time together. It is a masterful uh, back and forth of yeah. subtext. It's so, yeah. so good. And then the whole rest of the movie basically is just up waiting for... I mean, at one point, Benedetta's lover says, I saw your breasts. I saw them. I saw your breasts. What? That's dialogue in this movie. I mean, uh, it's just so dumb. It's so dumb. And here's the thing that was disappointing, because if you're not familiar with Paul Verhoeven, Basic Instinct, uh, it goes back to... Showgirls. Showgirls. Now, they're not yeah. all terrible. No, because but, well, that's let, what I was going to say. Robocop, though. So Robocop and Total Recall. Those are, in terms of... And, and then he's, he's also he also did um, Starship Trooper. So in terms of just genre films. Right. But, but yes. a few years ago, he surprised us because he did a movie called L, Yep. Which had to do with... Rape, yep, and then the after effects. It had a fantastic lead performance from Isabel Huppert, and the way he went about that was surprising for him it and, was. His, and his resume. So, this is a return to framing this story just how you were afraid he was going to frame it exactly. Because, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, because it is, in fact, a story of an early church feminist who may not have been a very good person, but she was an interesting person. And all we know is that apparently, because I'm sure she did totally look that good naked, right? Because <laughs> God knows if you're going to have a couple of nuns there. I mean, the entire convent is just as hot as they can be because at uh, 12 years of Catholic school, I've never seen a homely nun. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it goes back to the fact that you take this, what is a fascinating story, mm-hmm. and you decide to tell it through the gaze of whatever is going to titillate the male audience oh, yeah. first. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a leering camera. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just really disappointing, but it's also not very good. I think that's the other thing, you know, in the way that Showgirls was disappointing and also a bad movie. This is not as bad as Showgirls, but it's just not <laughs> very good. It's two and a half hours long, so it's wildly self-indulgent. Right. 
you know, and it doesn't doesn't decide to make a point one way or the other. It's just telling the story so that it can have a bunch of hot uh, lesbian, hot nun, lesbian yeah. nun action. But hey, just in time for Christmas. Right. And it's out in theaters now called Benedetta. Let's go to Netflix next for a documentary about fearless Nepali mountaineer Nimsday Persia embarking on a seemingly impossible quest to summit all 14 of the world's 8,000-meter peaks in seven months. It's called 14 Peaks, Nothing is Impossible. You have to be willing to try. You are on the edge of life and death. It is a project not only for himself, but for all the Sherpas. If this was done by some Western climber, the news would have been 10 times bigger than this. Those guys are really, really risking their lives. Doesn't matter where you come from. You can show the world nothing is impossible. Giving up is not in the blood, sir. It's not in the blood. Remind me, before this, what was the record? Seven years. That's insane. So it's, it's 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 one every two. It's two a month. It's one every two weeks. Yeah, I mean, he. It's the point is driven home many times that early on, especially when he was trying to raise money for this, he admits that he sounds like a lunatic, <laughs> thinking that he could get this done. And you know, I'm a sucker for this type of stuff. I do. Uh, but it's it's beautiful. I mean, the the footage, even though it is on Netflix, and you're going to watch it at home. If you can't see it on the biggest screen, because some of the footage is just insane up at the top of the world in the highest peaks above the clouds. And much of it uh, he took. He, he goes by Nims uh, is his nickname. Much of it he took himself. Uh, but the director is Torkel Jones. And it's it's great as an adventure documentary. Again, the the, uh, the footage insane. The story is so compelling, but it also does a good job getting you to know this guy. And he's a fascinating guy. He just lives on the edge. That's where he likes to be. He, he has an incredible background. He was part of the uh, special forces in Nepal doing all this exciting stuff. And he is blessed. You see him take these tests in preparation for his quest. And it is just revealed his physiology. He's just gifted to operate better than most people at high altitudes. So that's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons that has enabled him to to go after this and to realistically think he can do it in seven months. Yeah, uh, seven years was the uh, was the previous record. So it's, it's just crazy, um, and it's a good story about a man and his mission. And it also does a good job balancing. There's a, there's a, a family aspect about it where even though as heroic as his quest is, he feels like a failure because his mother is ailing at the time, and this quest draws him away from her. So there's a nice contrast there. And you also get to see him. It's, it's very important to him to draw attention to the often nameless Sherpas who are so, so invaluable to visiting climbers that go in to tackle these high peaks like Mount Everest, like K2. They're aided so much by the Sherpas. Just, just look at uh, every, everybody knows Sir Edmund Hillary the first person to summit Mount Everest. But he was with a Sherpa, Tenzig Norgay, who only in the last several years has gotten due recognition as well. So that point is brought up, and he wants to bring that to the forefront. So there's a lot of important points about him as a man that are also important. But, yeah, just, man, even if even if you watched it with the sound off, I mean, <laughs> which I don't recommend, but just some of this footage, including this, if, if you follow stories like this, you may know about this guy because a few years ago when he was doing this, a photo, a, a still photo of his went viral because he took a picture of a 300-person 
traffic jam on the way up to the top of Mount Everest. Wow. Imagine that. People just in line waiting to get to the top. In- incredible. Uh, so it's just, it's a great story. And you can probably guess, since it is a documentary, whether he was successful or not. <laughs> but uh, uh, highly recommended if you're a fan, especially as I am, of these uh, adventure outdoor documentaries. Check it out on a big screen. It's called 14 Peaks, Nothing is Impossible on Netflix. Let's go back to the theaters for the story of two brothers embarking on a journey with their father who was trying to protect them from an alien threat. This is called Encounter. Why can't we go home? This ain't a road trip. It's a rescue mission. Nothing bad's gonna happen to while I'm around. Besides, if this ain't a hell of an adventure, I know what it is, dude. If we do this thing right, you will always be a hero to your sons. No! the three musketeers toughest soldiers there ever was they could survive anything because they stuck together now you're telling me if we don't stand by each other we can't get through anything yes i know we can well this got our attention right away uh this is the latest starring role for riz ahmed who we love Love in everything. And hopefully a lot of people got to know who he was last year when he was Oscar nominated for A Sound of Metal. Such a great performance. Such a great movie. Yep. But we have loved him for years. I think the first time we saw him was in Four Lions. Look it up. And then Nightcrawler. Oh, my oh. God. He was so great. We were so mad he didn't get nominated for that. I know. But everything. I mean, I've never seen him bad. Uh, I've never seen him turn in a performance that wasn't really good. And here is another one. He's amazing in this movie. He has such an arc. He does such a great job with it. But also, Michael Pierce, the filmmaker, a few years ago made a movie called Beast that I also just love, mm-hmm. Jesse Buckley. And one of the things that, just two movies in, I can say about him as a filmmaker is he does a really good job of changing tone and really challenging your expectations as a film goer. That's a point not taken lightly because we just brought it up a few minutes ago with Wolf. When you change tones like that, it's yeah, tough. It is. It's tough to make it go down smoothly. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's it's a good job here. Michael Pierce, the writer. Well, he's the director and he's the co-writer. Co-writer. The film starts off with that sort of, you know, uh, almost documentary-like clinical up super close of insects and their stings and what happens inside your body. And it's really gross. <laughs> and, um, and, and it just calls to mind, like, nasty things you don't want to think about. And then, uh, and then we open on Riz Ahmed, and he is uh, a Marine, and he's going home to his sons because he's going to save them. And, uh, and, and that's the story that you're following for a long time. He's amazing. His sons are the cutest. <laughs> oh, my God. These, and they're very good. They're very good. More cute young actors. Oh, my God. They're so cute, though. Those eyelashes. But so the three of them then, they embark on this very dangerous cross-country journey. It, it, it very definitely turns into something else completely. It's layered and layered with a lot of nuance, a lot of, of real things that we're not thinking about because we're sort of used to this character being a white man. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting and challenging and uncomfortable what is brought up. And the, what it never is is a heavy-handed. Uh, I really appreciated a great deal about this movie. I don't think it all works. Um, I, there is a, a sort of a, a B story with Octavia Spencer and some police that I think um, can't match the level of authenticity that the core story with Riz Ahmed and the two little boys reaches. 
But um, at the end, I can't remember the last time I was so on the edge of my seat just saying, please don't do this to me uh, <laughs> as, the, as the movie climaxes. Yeah. It's just... You know, it does have its flaws, but man, the, the core performance is great, and it is riveting stuff. Yeah, I believe it comes to Prime next week. Correct. But out on the big screen in theaters now called Encounter. Disney Plus, where we're going next, the adventures of a 12-year-old who is fresh out of elementary and transitions to middle school, where he has to learn the consequences and responsibility to survive the year. This is the animated version of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. We're in middle school now. Don't you think it's time to start acting our age? Want to see my secret freckle? I'm like permanently scarred from that night. Look at these little nerds. I'll pass their bedtime. Busted! Little wee mama. One day I'm going to be rich and famous. But for now, I'm stuck in middle school, surrounded by morons. If you just stick with me, everything will be fine. Oh, sorry. I, I thought you were teenagers. Are you all right? You're all right. Yeah, uh, if you're wondering, wait, I've known this movie before. Well, there's only been live-action adaptations of this before, and it's the popular children's series mm -hmm. by Jeff Kinney, now in animated form. And this one's only barely an hour. It's like 58 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's on Disney+, Plus, and Kinney himself wrote the screenplay, which is great. And the animation is very reminiscent of the animation in the yeah. books themselves, which yeah. I think is perfect. It's just perfect. You know, it doesn't, it, you know, when you're watching a Disney movie, this is not the kind of animation you're expecting. You're expecting something wowy, but this is really, it really suits the tale. It really, you know, it really is in keeping with the style of the books. It's charming. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you like these, you know, it's a poor schlub, terrified about middle school, you know, sort of facing the fact that don't try so hard to be a grown up, <laughs> right? Because, and it's. And don't it's, abandon your friends. Don't abandon your friends because you're just going to be sad. Later. And there's a couple of names in the voice cast Steve Zahn, Chloe Grace Moretz, both in the voice cast. So, yeah, I think the parents aren't going to be blown away by it, but. You'll you'll smile, yeah. and if your kids are fans of this, um, they're going to like it. And again, it's only an hour, and if you got Disney Plus, there it is right there for you. It's the animated Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And we'll close out with the latest on Shudder. It focuses on Eva, an ex-dancer who is now living in a wheelchair, unable to walk. When her friend Sophie gives her an old wooden antique advent calendar before Christmas, she realizes each window contains a surprise that triggers repercussions in real life. This is the advent calendar. This is writer-director Patrick Ridremont. Hope I pronounced that correctly. And it's another goodie on Shudder. It is. It's a Belgian horror film, and we don't get Whoa, enough of those. But, but we like them. Yeah, one of my all-time <laughs> favorite Christmas, even, Belgian horror films, Calvert, not for the squeamish. Um, <laughs> and, and so I was excited about this, and it delivered. Um, uh, it's creepy. It's effective. Uh, and one of the things I like the most about it is that it doesn't give away too much of a backstory. You're you're waiting for it to sort of explain and explain. It really doesn't. You're just along for the ride. It it helps a lot that the lead performance from Eugenie Duran is so very very strong, and that helps to overcome you know the occasional weak spot. On the whole, uh, I thought it was really enjoyable and very creepy. And we're always looking for a fun new Christmas horror, seasonal horror. And, yeah. and, uh, and this is one. There it is. And it's on Shudder, the Advent Calendar.
All right, he had a week off. Let's put him to work. Let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. After a week off for the holiday, we're jumping back in the lobby to check in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, with lots of new new movie tidbits. What do you see? Well, we've got some shifting around. Um, Paramount has moved up the release of Rumble, and that's its animated movie about a monster pro wrestler. <laughs> um, <laughs> instead of hitting theaters on February 18th, it will now premiere on Paramount Plus in a couple of weeks on December 15th. So that's kind of a big jump. And for a little bit on the TV end, if you're a big fan of the Chucky franchise, the uh, miniseries continuation of the films is now on Peacock in its entirety. So if anyone wants to catch up on that, they can. And also, if, like acclaimed director Christopher Nolan, you've been waiting for a sequel to the action comedy MacGruber for the past 11 years, I've got good news and bad news for you. He is a big fan of that movie, by the way. I know. Um, He's the one. (laughs) I think it has. I thought it sucked. I I, I I thought it was so bad, but I've I've been really fascinated how it seemed to have become a cult classic. Absolutely has. It really has. The bad news is there will be no MacGruber two. The good news is that an eight episode sequel series is hitting also on Peacock in its entirety on December sixteenth. Wow! So if you want more MacGruber action, there you there you go. <laughs> also, if you haven't been able to see uh, Disney's new animated film Encanto in uh, theaters of late or any time later this month. It is supposedly premiering on Disney Plus on December 24th, just in time for Christmas weekend. Oh, yeah. I can see a lot of families putting that on, although oh, yeah. it is it is really worth seeing on the big screen, it's though. It's beautiful. And then Sony has postponed the release of its Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson action comedy, The Man from Toronto. That was originally going to come out in January, and now it's moved to mid-August. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, that might be a better sign because so many mid-January stuff is just a dumping ground for crap. This is true. <laughs> and uh, that's all I've got in terms of dates for you, but I do have some project announcements if you want to hear those. Sure. Okay, Mel Gibson will be stepping back into the director's chair on Lethal Weapon 5, taking over for Richard Donner, who unfortunately passed away earlier this year. Uh, they don't have a production schedule in place yet, but I wouldn't be surprised because the four cameras next year and probably come out in 2023. That will be an HBO Max exclusive whenever it finally arrives. Is Danny Glover on board for this? Apparently, yeah. Because if we remember right, he was too old for this shit in the first one. So <laughs> Yeah. Back <laughs> <Come> in 87. <laughs> wow. He's been too old for almost as long as I've been alive. Yeah, let the man retire. <laughs> no, it's one of those weird things where if you look at the chronology of it, both Glover and Gibson are playing older than they're supposed to be in the original movie. Right. Which means <laughs> that's usually the opposite of the way these things go with right. Hollywood. <laughs> usually you're not playing a decade older than your actual character. Right. Uh, or your actual age. And Lethal Weapon isn't the only action property getting a new nudge at Warner Brothers. They are also readying a reboot of the Stephen Seagal classic Under Siege, also for HBO Max. And they've tipped none other than Indonesian action horror madman Timo Tejanto to direct it. Wow! (laughs) Right? Wow! (laughs) That instantly has me interested in it. Yeah, because first I was going to say, you really expanded the definition of classic there. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) I said he had the air quotes. I'm assuming he had the air quotes. But when you mentioned the director, now I'm now I'm right. intrigued. Yeah. And also for HBO Max, keeping that trainer rolling, Channing Tatum has announced that he will once again be shaking what his mama gave him in Magic Mike's Last Dance. 
Um, Steven Soderbergh's going to direct again, and given how fast he shoots stuff, I won't be surprised if that one's out by the end of next year. That's so crazy that Soderbergh came back for the third one. Skip the second one, came back for the third one. Nutty. Well, he was the he was the DP on the second one, which I always find entertaining. <laughs> that is just bizarre. Bring he didn't direct it, but he shot the whole thing. Bring McConaughey back, and I might be interested. Right? Yeah, <laughs> he was the best part of that first one. And on the bad news front, Patty Jenkins' Star Wars film Rogue Squadron has been removed from the release schedule. Uh, it was originally meant to go into production late this year, ahead of the December. 2023 release and for the moment it looks like it might still be in the works but it has been shelved and it looks like she'll just be moving on to Wonder Woman 3 so hmm. it'll be give and take there and Martin Scorsese just finished shooting his murder mystery film Killers of the Flower Moon that'll be out sometime next year but he is not resting on his laurels even at his age he's already lined up his next movie which will be a Grateful Dead biopic starring Jonah Hill as Jerry Garcia and if that's not enough, the script was written by um, Edward and Dolomite is my name, geniuses, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. Wow. So I'm not sure what that's going to be like, but I'm interested. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's high and smells like patchouli. <laughs> <laughs> See, now, I could have ended on, you know, a slightly art house prestigious note there, but I just can't help myself, and I'm going to toss out some schlock here at the end for you. Do it. The director of the Lego Batman movie is directing a movie about Renfield from the writer or the creator of The Walking Dead. It will star Nicholas Holt, I'm sure, as a hot Renfield. <laughs> it will also have Aquafina in it. This is a horror comedy, after all. And Nicholas Cage will be Dracula. Yeah, I think that was the biggest news to hit my <laughs> Twitter feed in a decade. <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't played Dracula already. Well, he has in real life. Right. And you got so Vampire's Kiss, which is, uh, I, hope he, I hope he kept the teeth. Right. <laughs> Does he still have the couch, though, instead of a car? <laughs> Lot to look forward to. You can always catch up on the latest news from uh, following Daniel online. It's at the Schlocketeer. Thank you, as always. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Look at next week. As we said, some heavy hitters are coming out. And look at this. I think most of these... We've already seen, uh, well, at least some of them. Not West Side Story. Haven't seen that yet, but it is coming next week. One of us is excited about that. <laughs> also, Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up, right? That's the latest from Adam McKay. Lucille Ball, Desjarnez story with Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem being the Ricardos is next week. Agnes. That's more nun-related. It is. Nun-related uh, thriller coming. Uh, one called Scrapper. One called Monkey King Reborn. And Are You Happy Now? Those and maybe more, but boy, that is... Uh, Heavy at the top next week as we get closer to Christmas. That's usually the way more Oscar bait coming out. We'll see how those stack up. But for this week, what do you think? Come on, come on, or Wolf, or do you love Paul Verhoeven? All right, we'll listen to your side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> One word, splinters. <laughs> you can uh, find us on Twitter. That's the easiest way to keep the conversation going. We're at Mad Wolf, also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website, where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's all there for you at madwolf.com. So keep in touch. Hope you're having a, a fantastic holiday season so far. Until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>